episode 15 of the Sam Fouch Show. I'm here at the beautiful Wave One Media Studios, downtown Indianapolis. I have Mr. Josh Dilmangani, part two. Yeah. You like the podcast enough? Yes, the sequel. (laughs) There we go, the sequel. Uh, This is the part owner, uh, realtor, broker of White Stag Realty, also here in downtown Indianapolis. So let's get in it, Josh. Um, Why are we here? Why are we doing another one? Man, I I genuinely had a good enough response on the previous one, um, and like as a realtor, I'm I'm a stick in the mud, and right. I don't do a lot of print advertising because I think it's ineffective. <laughs> um, but man, I was shocked by how many people listened to the interview, asked me follow up questions, referenced it. I mean, even a couple months later. Right. So well, that's good. That's a good. Uh, that, that makes me feel good for doing the interviews. Then. Right. So let's get in it because I know we uh, we did a full sixty minute span the last time, so uh, we had to come up with some new things to talk about. So let's start here. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think White Stag would get to where it's at now this quickly? Because I know White Stag. If you guys follow Josh on Facebook, the growth is surreal. I mean, yeah. I every single day it's like new. You got a new guy on the team. <laughs> you got more more guys listing, and I, I mean, we know why. I mean, your model, and let's just to bring in some reference from the past yeah. podcast. Your model just still. I mean, it's awesome. It's uh, it's definitely changing the game in the real estate space. Yeah, opinion. and it's super simple. We charge less than most of our competitors for most of what we do. Um, and yeah, I mean, when you ask, like, did I think we'd get here this quickly? The reality is, for anyone who didn't listen to the previous episode, we kind of started in, like, April or May of 2019. So, yeah, to be two and a half years later now, and... We tend to do about four or five million a month in real estate sales, but even that, I mean, it's been record month over record month over record month. I think November, now that it's done, I crunched the numbers. It was like our first non-record month wow. since like May. <laughs> um, holiday, holiday month. Right. I mean, Thanksgiving kills it, but yeah. thank God. I mean, it's a it's a lot to manage right. to grow this quickly. Um, and I guess then to answer your question of, did I think we'd grow this quickly? No. Right. Well, how? How how has this happened? Besides the the, the great model we know of, how has this happened? Is it's it... a little bit luck. I mean, I, right. I think anything is. Like, um, we did not, my, my business partner Jeff and I did not ever sell a home before we had started this. Right. And then, um, man, it, our model is tailored more to sellers because sellers in almost every real estate transaction, they're the party that are paying the commission to both their agent and then their agents offering a cut of that to a buyer's agent. So when we discount that fee or lower that fee, um, man, we really target home sellers. And then it became an increasingly an increasingly seller's market. Right. And that part, we had no idea when we were starting that the market would trend this direction. And I think too, because we're seeing so much increase in volume from you on an agent standpoint, you guys are increasing your agent amount on your team mm-hmm. so much. Why is that happening? Is that because, just for me from the outside, I mean, yeah. what I notice with other agents, other brokerages is they're trying to charge such a high fee that they're not selling as many homes. But it all comes right. down to what if you're able to sell more homes at low volume? I mean, if you run the numbers, you're making more money doing that route. Am I right or am I? I mean, in theory, you're correct. Right. Um, why more brokerages don't replicate that, truthfully, I don't know. Um I think the reason we're adding so many agents right now is because a lot of other mo- a lot of other brokerages have models that can come off a little predatory. For sure. Okay, especially for newer agents. For instance, many brokerages do not give leads oh, to their realtors, 
and they charge them monthly fees. So I tell everyone from day one, I'm not going to make money unless you make money, and thus I want you to make money. Right. right? Um, and then that's when I get paid. So we don't have any monthly fees, tech fees. We cover E&O insurance. I mean, I do what I can to be conducive to someone either getting into the industry or that's been in the industry for maybe a year or two but not had the volume they wanted to do that. So no desk fees, no, I mean... No, I mean, I, one day I might. I mean, right. if it ever gets to the point where people are lining up to join us, right. then maybe I'd use those fees as a way to deter... Right. Uh, th- those who are just kind of haphazardly, right. haphazardly uh, interested. Why do you think these brokerages feel that they need to charge that high percentage? Like, what are they doing that you guys aren't doing per se? What, oh, what? I'd imagine once you charge it, you want that same commission, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, I think we have fourteen or fifteen realtors now. If I was charging them all five hundred dollars a month, damn, that would be right. nice. Well, not even the five hundred a month to you as the brokerage, but why would a brokerage want their agents to go out and try to do deals at four percent, five percent to them? Like, what do they? I mean, that could be a three hundred thousand dollar home. I mean, that's big bucks, right? Um, Man, I don't know, but some brokerages, and I'm getting this from the agents that we've interviewed. Right. um, Some brokerages will not let their agents go below a certain commission offering, and those brokerages can make that decision. I mean, does Starbucks have to sell you a cup of coffee for a dollar? No, and they don't, you know. We, in some cases, would sell a cup of coffee for a dollar, and thus I allow my agents to make that decision. Right. So they could up the percentage of when they do a deal commission-wise. Oh, yeah. we. I mean, I think it's a misnomer. Like, we've done deals at six and six. I've never charged 7% yet, but we've charged up to six and a half. Right. But it's a business decision. Maybe it's a a very low-end property, and thus... More work. Either more work or there's some fixed costs in it. Like right. some things, uh, yes, likely it's more work. Right. Yeah. So let's get back to the paper here. What are some of the aspects of your company you're proudest of? Man. I know there's probably a, a couple. Well, I'd say the big theme is just growing in spite of circumstance. Right. Like COVID hit and we grew. Is that nuts? Yeah. Winter hit. The, our first winter, I mean, I acted like a... 1800s prospector like (laughs) (laughs) preserving everything and making sure we could survive and it grew um inventory in the market has decreased and decreased and decreased and our sales have increased and increased so no matter what's gone on so far we've survived it are we going to survive everything i don't know but nothing slowed it yet Right. What have you heard from agents that have came from other brokerages? I know there was a big span of time of when you mm-hmm. were getting reached out a lot. Why were they switching from the current brokerage to you guys? Man, from their personal experience. That is a great question. And for the viewers, that's not on the paper. That's a really good question. Yeah. Um, you hear some terrifying things. Yes. Like uh, one of my top producing agents the last few months, we added her this summer. Um, and she said her previous brokerage would have her do showings and not compensate her for it. What? Um, another new agent of ours had like a, a bot, like her broker gave her a buyer. Um, she got to the point of actually writing the offer and then the broker wrote the offer instead and basically stole the client. And it's like, man, that's great. And then from a fee perspective, I talked to one gal with a brokerage, um, where she grossed, meaning the business she did produced $100,000 in commission last year. And her take-home pre-taxes, so she still pays taxes on this, was $48,000. 
And I'm like, you paid your brokerage 50 grand? And did they give you any of that business? And she's like, no. That's nuts. Yeah, and you hear stories like that all the time, and it is mind-boggling. That's a scam, essentially. (laughs) Because I hold a real estate license, I cannot Cannot, agree with you. Cannot say it's a per se scam. But But it's not unethical for me not to disagree with you. That's a... That's terrible. Because, I mean, this is a business. You're an entrepreneur. You're coming in. I mean, you're I not- mean, yeah, but case in point, even in a healthy market, the turnover rate for new licensees is about 70 or 75%. Right. What other business would have 75% turnover and keep adding everyone to the team that wanted to join? Right. It's, it's wild. Well, let's add on to that because I know we've talked about in the previous podcast. So yeah. say an agent comes to you what are they mostly getting? Obviously, you're not charging them all the ex- extra fees, but what are you offering as a brokerage to your new agents? Because I know you've been bringing them on like candy. Man, leads and training. And it's 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 sunlight and water for plants, for right? Sure. Um, Those are the two biggest things in the, joining a brokerage. I, right. And I think it was tough in the beginning to add agents. Like, we didn't add any other realtors in 2019. I think I only added two or three in 2020. Um, and then as we're adding more people and then they have quick success, right. it builds our, for lack of a better term, street cred. Right. Okay. And so like n- now I just, I think my newest or second newest agent is five weeks in today. Okay. And already has a million dollars in listings. No way. Yeah. It's bonkers. That's insane. Yeah. How, how did that even happen? Like the lead uh, you gave them or like, did they yeah, have I got a prior <laughs> experience or like, what I, are you doing here? Just to illustrate that we really do give leads. Gosh. Um, I got a call Saturday morning, like two weeks ago right. and I'm at sky zone with my kid. I'm not doing real estate for that hour. We're bouncing. And so <laughs> I just sent the guy's name and phone number to this agent. Right. It's a listing. We called for sale by owners together and we got a listing at $849,000. Oh my God. And it's like, damn. That's that's what we do. Right. And again, as we do it more and more, I think we're going to be more and more attractive to new agents. Oh, for sure. And then it's a, everything is a double-edged sword. It's uh, I forever am just hoping we keep the balance of incoming leads right. and incoming agents. And if we ever have more agents and leads, we'll slow down. Got it. And if we get more leads than agents, you're going to see me desperately groveling for more realtors on Facebook. For sure. I mean, yeah, keeping, that's just like us at Auto Peel. I mean, we don't want to have too much work and not enough labor, but not enough, more labor. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy balance to keep. And the reason a lot of brokerages in real estate can have that, I guess, lack of balance is just because, again, like if you're not, if you're paying someone hourly, you're more invested in them. Right. And thus, if you don't have enough business, you let people go home early. Right. You know, my background is restaurants. We cut people early all the oh, time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's not... So you were at Sky Zone bouncing, <laughs> and you just got... Was it a Google lead? Google. Google yeah, lead. that's still my number one lead source. I figured that. And then you just shot it to this guy. You guys called him together, you said? No, I, I never did. even talked to him. Wow. So, yeah, he left a voicemail. I sent the info to Carrie, one of my newer agents. Right. And... It's already pending, multiple offers. Um, that's it was great. Nuts, man. Yeah. Wow. That is uh, so. That's something. Any of you agents looking to switch brokerages, even get started in the game, um, you heard it here. I mean, I'm not taking anyone on for a couple months. We, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we went from I think when we did when you and I did episode four. I think I had like eight or nine realtors. Right. And that would have been like what four months ago. Yeah. And now we have like fourteen or fifteen. That's insane. 
Um, and everyone's very green at the moment, so I'm just focused on training the team, getting them going. Well, let's move into that. Like, uh, how does your training differentiate from other brokerages? What What are you doing training wise that's so successful? Give me a little backstory on that training. Per Man, se. how's it different? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, fortunately, I never worked for one of the other brokerages. Good point. Um, I bring everyone in from the get go, and we spend a day or two going over contracts. Um, and there's some difficulties, I think, in teaching uh, newer agents. For instance, like, I'm not going to sit here and say I do everything 100% correctly, right. but I'm way more correct than a lot of what we see in the market from other realtors. Yep. And so you teach people correctly how to do something. And then because there's such a pool of competition out there that are getting lesser training, you see people do stuff wrong. And then my new agents are like, well, you said this right. and they did that. And I'm like, yes. And what I said is correct. Right. And we have to deal with this person being incorrect. Right. And that's difficult. So you do have them look at contracts, have them do um, mm -hmm. what purchase agreements, I believe is the term. Yeah, listing agreements, listing purchase agreements. agreements, and then every addendum, counter, and amendment, and response. I mean, there's probably somewhere around 15 different forms in right. what I go over with new agents in those first couple of days. Okay. Yeah. So you essentially, that's the biggest thing, in my opinion, as a realtor, to be able to know your paperwork. Because, I mean, that's a big, per it's one of the biggest purchases for a homeowner is, you know, buying a house. Yeah, and you can manipulate it. So um, I'll share an industry thing I do, and I'm not the only person that does this, but right. not a lot do. Um, for instance, you can sell a home as is. And the definition in the state of Indiana is that as is just means the buyer does their due diligence and right. inspect the property for whatever they have concerns about. Um, and if they find any defect that was undisclosed before, right. the buyer can walk and get their earnest money back. That's literally what as is says. But for some reason, there's a number of agents out there that think this. And when the general public thinks it, I, I understand because they wouldn't know any better. Right. But they think as is means no repairs. Oh. And it doesn't not mean that. Okay. Okay. It it means you don't have to give the seller the chance to make repairs. You can walk and get your earnest money back if something freaks you out. Right. So it's a very pro-buyer document. Okay. But we use it sometimes, and people accept our as-is offers because I think they think it means no repairs. Right. And it doesn't. So that's something that you provide in training to your agents? Yeah, and the whole point is, like, again, the more you know your contracts, the more you can use them to your advantage sure. and we are in a stupid crazy market still in right. terms of competition right so even if something gives you a one or two percent higher chance of getting your offer accepted you do it right what about say a new agent those first couple deals do you do like a like a what's the word a mentorship where you go and help them with the deal or how do you kind of do that in the training aspect of things Man, it, it just depends. On the person, how comfortable they are? No, on the person. I mean, yes, on the person, right. but also on the transaction. Okay. Like Carrie's first listing had multiple offers. I helped her through it. They accepted one. There's an appraisal gap. There's no inspection. There's really nothing else to do in this transaction. Yeah, I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch because <laughs> it hasn't closed yet. There you go. But on paper, it's easy. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's just a situational thing. But that is something that Weiss Tech offers is, I mean, because that's always what I hear from new agents is, well, you know, I hear some brokerages, they walk you through the first couple of deals. You have to go with someone and do the deal and blah, blah, blah. And But I do think the contracts, I mean, to, to do that the first couple of days, that's huge. Yeah. And, and this may be a point I made on the 
on episode four, but like sometimes when you train, you can also over coddle. So I try to maintain that balance for sure. Because some things it sucks, but an agent can figure that on on their own for sure. Uh, one of my agents was dealing with a, a roof replacement for an insurance claim, yeah. and she's asking me questions that they are questions for the insurance adjuster. I don't have that answer, right. you know. And so, being able to teach people the process of figuring it out is, I think, helpful. For I mean, yeah, because there are going to be times even when you get more experience, you're just going to have to figure stuff out. You can't. Man, call Josh for every you know, you're right. just one guy. My favorite transaction to prove that point from this year, uh, Daniel, he had sellers that I believe had like a horse stable on their on their land okay. or something like that. And instead of having horses, I believe they had goats, or maybe they had horses and goats. Right. And then a buyer comes in, submits the offer, and then the buyer consults with their veterinarian about the goat feces oh. being in certain areas. And the vet advised that there is a disease that can be in goat poop. Wow. That can negatively affect horses. And they walked. Really? Like they, they broke away from the transaction. Due to that information. Yes. Now, did they test the goat poop? No, and that was my contention. But the reality is there's no training for that. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes so sense. Some things you can't be prepared for. On the job. Right. You're going to figure it out regardless. I mean. Didn't know that is even possible. Go poop with horse stables. That's that's a new one. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. So let's go back to our beautiful paper here. What are some of the unexpected positives of being in your position with White Stag? Mm, I think, man, the fact that it's worked for the agents, right? For the general public, you know, I I I think this year alone we've saved clients. If you compare us to a six percent brokerage. We've saved, we saved clients over $200,000. Oh, boy. That's big. <laughs> and every review we've ever gotten is still five stars on Google. Really? You can't delete them. Nope. They're full of misspellings and stuff, so they're real people. Uh, so it's work for the agents. It's work for the general public. And then it's work for me and Jeff right. financially still. Right. Like one thing that blows my mind is I look at the numbers regularly, and I'm like, dang, we're a discount brokerage. And it's great. Right. Everybody's winning is what I would take from that. Right. Not only you as the owner, the agents, and your clients. Yeah, Three-way and I, hit. Yeah, and I would say that's unexpected just because... Very unexpected. Someone's normally going to get cut a little bit. I mean, yeah. You know, for someone to be winning, someone's got to be losing. Though. And they could. I mean, we have had, I think, three agents leave the company. Right. Okay? Now, that's still way below industry average. Oh, yeah. Um. But, yeah, it's mostly worked for everybody. Right. That seems like a pretty good thing as a business owner. <laughs> what is one of the biggest shortcomings of White Stag Realty so far in its existence? Mm. Um, th- it, it sounds weird to say, but I would say the fact that we haven't been more successful. And mm-hmm. I only, like, I keep that in my brain because... When someone when someone selling their home chooses to hire us, right. they generally save a few thousand dollars. Again, comparing us to a, a more traditional six percent model. So it's like, man, if we do everything our competition does, right. and by all the feedback we've gotten, we do it at a higher level than most of our competition, and you save thousands of dollars. Right. Why hasn't it been bigger so far? Right. 
right? I just, and that's where maybe I should do something like print advertising at some point. Mm. Yeah. So what is a solution to be bigger? Uh, oof. I mean, at the rate of growth we've seen, yeah. we'll get there. More marketing, potentially? Maybe. I mean, I'm doing a, a, a mailing campaign next year, um, which will target specific homes throughout the market. Right. And it's just stupid little postcards. And, like, for instance, one has a, a, a lollipop on it, and it says, like, only a sucker would pay 7% yeah. to sell their home. I, I like, mean, it's dumb. I like that, though. But it's way better, in my opinion, than getting like a happy Thanksgiving postcard from your realtor. That everybody sends. <laughs> right. Every realtor sends that same. No, for yeah. sure. You got to be different. You got to stand out. Right. So the way to grow is, for you as an owner, is to have more sales, correct? Percent. Yeah, and then making sure that you're doing smart things with that money that you're making through the sales. Right. So Putting it back into the business. Yeah, in some capacity. So, and I would, we can kind of hit on this. What yeah. are some of the toughest things in real estate to teach a new realtor? I, yeah. Dang, yeah. Uh, cooperation versus competition, right? So I think it's one of the most blurred lines in our industry. So for example, when you list a home, right. you should be very cooperative with any interested buyer's agent, okay? So you make sure the information's accurate. That's why you can be cooperative. You get them information that they need. I, I sold a home this year that was, I think, like 800 something thousand dollars and they needed the HOA to make an exception about a covenant for that community because they had, like, a, some kind of special situation going on. Right. You know? And dang, I messaged the HOA a lot for, like, three or four weeks, and I'm doing what I can to help the other agent for sure. get their buyers to submit an offer. That's cooperation. But then there's the competition aspect of like, hey, now your buyer submitted an offer and we accepted it. Now we're kind of competing through the inspection phase right. and depending on what the appraisal does and all that stuff. And so where to draw that line is difficult. So from there, we've talked about that. We've talked about training. I don't, is there anything you can add about training in your mind? Um, it'll be a little repetitive. Again, if anyone did listen to episode four, I'll do apologies. People overhype the training a little bit, right. okay? And I only say that because there are companies that I've been made aware of their training programs. For sure. And I'm like, dang, that's really impressive. And 80% of your agents produce either nothing or like one transaction at a time. So it's, I'd say it's more important to get the business and do everything in terms of getting someone to hire you um, and doing everything everything you can to execute that business at a high level right because you can be trained up all day long but if you're not actually selling homes calling people right it's executing doing yeah. something it's right not, nothing's gonna happen yeah i don't <laughs> yeah it's, training's great but it all comes down to actually and it's a balance i mean right. i don't want to discount training altogether but it's you'll get the best training doing deals right for yeah. sure i mean it's a to me, on-the-job training, not even in the real estate space, is the key to any success in any industry, anything you're doing. Right. Go out and do it. And make mistakes. Now, it's also terrifying for a member of the general public to hire an agent <laughs> who's never done a deal. So I get that. I, and do, that's, I do get that as well. Yeah. That I don't have well, that's a where you good have, answer for. That's where you have agents like you that can come and help them. 
mentor them on the, their first couple deals. Yeah, but it, it's still tough to tell a home seller, like, hey, I've never sold a home before, right. but my boss is going to help me. How like, do you do that? Well, how, I, I should ask that for myself. It's a good question. I'll say this. If you meet with a potential client right. and they ask how long you've been doing this, right. you said something wrong before that. Oh, okay. There okay. you go. That makes sense. I have never had someone ask me how long I've been doing it. Even I remember my first closing, like my first closing was my own home. So my second closing, when we left the closing table, I was like, hey, now I feel comfortable telling you. All right. Because it went very well. That was my first deal deal. Yeah. And they were like, no way. Okay. So hopefully you're good enough in the process that they don't want to ask you that question. Yeah. That makes sense. If they ask you, I think you may have said something wrong prior to that. All right. I like this question. I've seen you post on Facebook about other brokerage asked about inquiring about White Stag. Is that true? Yes. Um, and why? <laughs> Man, and I think it all happened too after our last episode. So right. now we've had four different brokerages reach out and initiate some level of conversation about acquiring White Stag. The issue is, would I sell? Yes. Oh, they're asking to buy White Stag? Well... Sort of. Okay. So would I sell? Yes. And I think anyone that says no is a liar. For sure. Uh, there's a brokerage in the market that just recently sold to another brokerage. And it's funny because we've added several agents from that brokerage. Right. And they always said, man, he said he would never sell. And it's like, that's a lie. Yeah. I mean, any business owner is always contemplating that decision. You can't sit there and say you're not. Yeah. So I'll publicly say we would sell, but we're not going to be worth the price Jeff and I have in our mind right. for a long time. Right. Right. Um, but every company that's reached out about acquiring us, the pitch is always a little bit different. It's sometimes it's a little bit of money, sometimes it's company stock, and then I'd say the bigger chunk of it is their pitch of infrastructure. Okay. Okay. And so a lot of these companies are licensed in multiple states and are, and already have managing brokers in all these states, right. and so it would ease the transition if White Stag were to grow into another market. Right. But. My contention back to them every time has been like, man, we didn't have infrastructure, and we got it to this point. Facts. Yeah, and we've already gotten it to a point I think a lot of small brokerages don't get to. Right. So it's not as appealing to me. And even, you know, because I've talked to my dad's partner, um, not his partner, I should say. Well, he's a partner in real estate, but he owns Mm -hmm. a, a flooring company. It's like... His biggest thing, I mean, he's pushing 30 to 40 employees. He's actually a guest on my podcast, um, Collins United Flooring. But you'd have to keep in mind of what would happen if you did sell to your agents you have, you know? I mean, right? you want to make sure they're compensated correctly, they're still trained well. I mean, because that's the scary part, you know? Yeah, and I would actually sell for a lower dollar amount if I retained decision-making. That's That was his yeah, big thing, actually. Right. It's funny you say that. He, he was like, you know, I, th- I believe how he described it was his employees would buy him out per se. Yeah. And he would still be paid salary to manage it, but he's not the owner. Right. Does that make sense? So like, yeah, the employees are now part owners of the company, but he's still the guy in charge, but he just doesn't own it. Which I I mean, that that makes so much sense. Even as an employee, why would you just, this guy's gotten you to this scale already being the owner. Why wouldn't you, I mean, don't kick him out, you know, like he's obviously doing something right. Right. Um, So yeah, I think that's definitely a big thing especially when you have a high scale amount of people to keep that flowing. And, you know, and if he does want to sell, because obviously it's got to happen at some point, unless you're going to 
pass it down to your kid or do something of that nature. Yeah. Um, I, now, know your, I know your kid's a little young, so right. that's uh, probably not in his, uh, in his mind currently. I, I ask him regularly. I was like, hey, what does Dada do for work? And he'll just look at me and say, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I'd say like my desire to keep decision-making, if I were to sell, is a little more because of the altruistic piece of our business model. Right. Like I have felt for a long time that in most transactions – Six or seven percent is probably not justified. For sure. Okay. I like that this works for the agents. I like that it works for me and Jeff. Yep. And I really like what it does for the general public. Right. So I'd be nervous if we sold, somebody would shut us down. I've, that, would, that would be another good point, as you mentioned. Yeah. You wouldn't want to sell, and then the people who own the business are now treating your clients. Not That's right. what we've had so many brokerages in the market sell Happens this all the time. year. Yeah, and like one, I mean, they had almost 200 realtors. I thought what they were doing was really cool, right. and they sold to a big company, and in like 29 days, they won't exist anymore. That's insane. I know. All and that work, years, <laughs> you know? Build something, and then it just gets... That's terrible. Yeah, we that, talked about my kid, but this is my other kid, right? For, for sure. Yeah. It is a kid. Businesses, you own a business, that's a baby. Like, now, if I sell and keep decision-making, that's like putting a child up for adoption, but, like, maintaining contact. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's weird analogy, but that's how I look but at it. But that is so true. I mean, a business is definitely your baby. I mean, you're right. literally, you went through the trenches. You didn't get to the top by uh, not taking it out and, you know, feeding it. Dude, it <laughs> used to be... 30, 35 hours a week of cold calling. Oh, yeah, I believe it. Oof. I don't miss that. Door knocking? No. No? I, dude, I want to at some point. Just for fun? Yeah. Yeah. But then COVID happened, and it yeah. got weird. I know. Um, then winter happens every year, and I'm not doing all that. No. Door knocking, I mean, if I was cold calling first, I feel like start there. And I mean, if you're really desperate, go do it. But I just. I think inevitably when a home sells, the neighbors are curious. And True. I think a lot of neighbors don't do anything about it. So I would just find a home that sold at a price point that I'm right. a fan of. Um, and then I'd go talk to the neighbors. Like, okay. Hey. So you're saying do kind of a structured door knocking. Yeah. I just go sense. talk to the neighbors. That one sold for this much. What do you guys think about it? They probably paid this much in commission. Right. I think I could do it for this. What do you think? That's not Sally, though. That's just informative, you know, yeah. informative information. Right. So let's talk about the big question. This one actually shocked me when uh, I heard about it. I was like, Jesus. is this fake? What is this? I saw the post on Facebook of the North Carolina. <laughs> is it North Carolina? Yeah. Right. So why? Why are you moving there? So uh, my my family is moving to Charlotte. Uh, me, my wife, who was one of our agents, and then now she's going to be inactive in Indiana. Um I think as with anything, it's like a balance of personal and professional sure. goals. For sure. So I'm sick of winter. Yes. Um, and I've lived in Indiana for half my life. My wife's lived there, lived here her whole life. Mm. And so we went to Charlotte a few years ago, fell in love with it. It's, mm. it have you ever been? I have, yeah. It's bonkers. Really? Um, and now to this day, it is the fifth fastest growing big city in America. Okay. And the price point is higher than Indianapolis. So the personal side is there, and then the professional side is, man, this really worked in a market with right. the average home, like, 250 grand. Yes. Would it work in a market as well or better where the average home is 375, 380 grand? Right. And so that is... Now, we'll move down there, and I'm not starting Charlotte, hopefully, till like, spring or summer, but because I'll still come back to Indy quite a bit and make sure the new agents are doing well and all, all right. that stuff. 
But man, it's, again, bigger geographic area than our market, higher price point. Um, the high today in Charlotte is 72 degrees. Wow. Right. That's So, nuts. yeah. So and you, it's like, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was, so you are planning on starting another white stag in Charlotte? 100%. And as crazy as I am, I've even told my wife, like, when we get off the ground there, I'll take the first couple of listings at 0% for me. Really? Yeah, because it's more important that I start establishing my presence. For sure. Um, I make enough money off the white stack indie thing. Now, would I do every listing at a 0%? No. But, I mean, if I get out there and it takes me more than five cold calls to right. get a listing, I'll just shoot my shot at 0%. Well, because even then, you build trust with someone, you build rapport, and now they may have friends. I mean, it's just, you got to start. Yeah. You got to do a couple for free if you need to, you know? You're or, in a whole new place. Who right. are, who's who's White Stag Realty in Charlotte? I know, and I don't know the you know? area. They'll be like, hey, are you yeah. familiar with <laughs> Mecklenburg County? And I'll be like, no. no. yeah. And I mean, they'd be like, you live there. And I'd be like, oh, okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. live there. You live in this neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Right. That's been so crazy you're going to Charlotte. Man, the amount of people that message me about that, too. Yeah. Well, and it's good, too, though, right now in 2021, about to be 2022, with the COVID, everything, even though you're playing between two states, we have Zoom. We have all these right. measures that went to effect with the virus that uh, definitely makes it more of a more sound uh, decision. That's the hope. Right. Um, that's the hope. I think the funniest comment people have had once we announced we were going to Charlotte is probably like five or six people were like, is White Stag and Indy done? And I was like, what? What makes you think? Closing the doors. If anything, my hope is it helps our agents out more because sure. this year I produced $8 million, Right. Right? I haven't, it feels weird. I produced $8 million in sales volume in like nine months. That's and then nice. I was like, okay, I'm for quarter four, I'm done. Um but my hope is that the the business I would have done here, we can further filter that to the agents here. For sure. Yeah. That's uh. So that that'll be fun. That'll be tough. It'll be the whole nine yards. Or it'll suck and it won't work. And I don't you, know. And it's not a for sure concrete decision. Right. You could still you're testing. It's not. I'm all in on Charlotte. Well, I did don't sign a me. lease agreement. Oh, okay. <laughs> so maybe there is uh there is a more uh more concrete things going on that I didn't know about. Yeah. But yeah, I. Unless you want to talk Doge or Bitcoin or anything. I'm cryptoed out, bud. That's it? Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. But seriously, thanks for having me again. No problem. Um, I love doing these. So maybe I'll be back for like episode 35 35. or something. Yeah. That's a wrap. Josh Zilmagani. We're on all platforms. Sam Fouch Show. You can find Josh just on Facebook. Hopefully we talk some marketing. We get him on more than just Facebook. (laughs) But uh, that's it. Thank you, everyone. Cool. Good day.